You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins, I'm Dave Griffiths. And a significant podcast coming today as it's the first one after Carson Wentz is introduced in Indianapolis as a Colt. Free agency has begun. The NFL year has begun. That means trades that have been announced over the past month can go through. And that's what happened with the Wentz deal. The Colts ship out a third round pick this year and either a second or a first next year conditionally for Carson Wentz, hoping to build around him as the quarterback of the next decade with the horseshoe. We'll get plenty into what Carson Wentz has to say. We'll get plenty into what Jim Ursay had to say today as well, hopping on a Zoom call with Indianapolis Media after Wentz wrapped up. And of course, we'll dive deep into free agency, who's still available, who's off the board, who could be uh, someone the Colts might be targeting right now. And of course, Chris Ballard doing his typical Chris Ballard thing, not going out and making a splash at the beginning of free agency, much to the chagrin of every Colts fan on Twitter that uh, wants to see something big happen right out of the gates. But as we've said, if you were expecting that, why? Because he's never done anything that big, that crazy, right out of the gate. So we'll, we'll, we'll discuss all that. But uh, we do certainly, of course, begin with Carson Wentz becoming a Colt today um, and sitting in front of the media. Mike Chappell and myself included among them are Chris Hagan as well. They bonded over being redheads. It was a tremendous uh, uh, work there on the press conference by, by our own Chris Hagan. But, 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 Mike, what were your impressions? What did you want to ask Carson Wentz? And uh, what did you take away from that about 30 or 45-minute discussion we had with the Colts' next quarterback? Well, what a lot of us wanted to know, and we really got no answers on it, is what went wrong last year. What led to a guy who had four progressive seasons, for the most part in Philly, crash and burned last year. And he just mentioned that a lot of things didn't go right. He'd like to have some things back, but it's a fresh start. And the, the question I ask him is, are you fixable? Because that, that's what you've heard is, is that this is a quarterback that needs to be fixed. And he said, you, there's always things you work on. We got a lot of generalities, which I thought we would get, not a lot of uh, specifics. And both he and the Colts are looking uh, for a fresh start, and they've hitched their wagon to a 28-year-old quarterback who needs a restart. Joe, uh, obviously we've talked plenty about the restart that Carson Wentz needs well, with the Colts now, but um, I, I can't say I'm surprised that, that he spoke today in mostly generalities. He wants to move forward. He figures he has through this trade. And uh, any real deep dive into what went wrong could also be perceived as just bashing his old organization, I would think, and uh, just a game of you know, flamethrowing or he said, she said, which he's obviously not the type of person to get into that type of an argument. So, I, I mean, I'm not surprised with what we heard today on the call. And I, I think you would love to get the um, the soap opera digest of, of everything that happened between Carson Wentz and Philly. But now is absolutely not the time that it's going to happen. He's looking forward. He's talking about being competitor and wanting to prove himself to the, to the people here in Indy. He's saying the right things for now, of course, as you would expect him to in his first introductory press conference, kind of some generic stuff. But, um, but I, I think that... Uh, that that's uh, that's Joe. That's probably about what we should expect, and it's what we got. Yeah, I mean, I think the best case scenario to come out of this is that he didn't misspeak and make any news out of it, and and I don't think he did. I mean, he didn't really stand to gain anything by bashing his old team. It's not going to make him look any better. It's what's he going to say? Doug Peterson was a jerk. Uh, they th- put me in terrible situations. So I, I, I'm glad to see Carson Wentz finally a cult. It was nice to see him in the. Uh, light blue was that plaid 
jacket, kind of looking mm-hmm. like the Peyton Manning jacket. So it's good to finally have him in Indy. Yeah, I think the the most um, the most open he got about the situation was when a longtime Philadelphia writer Les Bowen kind of pushed him, saying, "Hey, are are you saying that you?" did not request a trade or did you request a trade out of Philly? And, and he said he wouldn't tell him either way, but he was very happy to be an Indy. So, so Mike, you look at that and I figure that like reading between the lines, I'll bet Wentz really wanted to trade. I don't know what words came out of his mouth when talking with GM Howie Roseman, but this was certainly his desire to be somewhere else. And now he's very happy and specifically to be back with Frank Reich for sure, as he tries to re- revamp his career going forward. Yeah. I, I think the only thing that I would have, I could I could have gone with is is when, when I asked him about last season, I wasn't asking him to to rip on Peterson or whatever. Right. But you know what did maybe you, what what should you have done better when things started going bad? Did you lose mechanics? Did you lose fundamentals? Did you press? But again, he he wasn't going there, and if if we get him in a month, he won't go there. And the one thing, and I'm going to just say this real quick and get it out of the way. This got to be such a ridiculous situation to where the Philly media raised heck because they weren't initially involved with the Zoom conference call. This was set up for the indie media, and at the end, the Colts uh, altered things and allowed Philly. They were going to allow Philly to, to listen in and but not ask questions because this was really our time. But the Colts PR staff, Matt Conti, allowed the Philly guys on to ask their questions. And by, by the time they asked questions, those questions had been asked for the most part. Right. And what, yeah. what I would say is I was on, I tell you, I was on the Nick Sirianni introductory press conference, uh, whatever it's been, a, a month ago when he was Philly's head coach. I didn't get asked a question. Now, whether I was way down the list or whatever, generally speaking, these are for local media and, and it, it's not, this wasn't Carson Wentz's request. This was just the way the Colts tried to, to to take care of the local media. So I thought it was way overblown. And, and for people to think that we weren't going to ask difficult questions, they're idiots. No, it, it was it was what what became of it was ridiculous. And uh, what what the press conference was was completely. I mean, not to toot our own horns, but it was completely legitimate. I think the only thing that they did, like they. They, they might have followed up once or twice more with him, really trying to push him for an answer. But all, all the questions were asked, like you said, whether it was you, whether it was our friend Stephen Holder over The Athletic, whether it was Mike Wells at ESPN. Like, I, I don't know what, what people wanted specifically. Uh, and I understand. Like, you know what? I, I'll, I'll tell you. I do know what people want specifically in Philadelphia. They, they want the knockdown drag out. They want to maybe not drag him over the coals, but certainly hold his feet to the fire and keep it there and keep it there and keep it there and keep it there. I, I know this because I'm from Philly. I, I grew up with this media. I, I know what these people want. And I, 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 that's a hard word to say, to say these people. That, that might be, come across a little harsh. But I just, I just know what the culture of sports writing is in, in, in Philadelphia and in other major markets on the East, East Coast, really um, in, in that light. So, well, so but anyway. Having said that, and you're right. But the questions they asked were all legit questions. They weren't. They are. Oh yeah. And and, and they weren't really trying. They they didn't hold his feet to the fire to to that extent. They were just trying to say what happened. Did you request a trade? And those were all legit. That's why I'm saying it, it just got to be so ridiculous leading up to this that the Colts were trying to coddle Carson Wentz and not hey no no questions about Philadelphia. We're we're moving forward. You know it's kind of like Bill Belichick on to Cincinnati on to wherever. 
we had total total ability to ask every question. And uh, it, it's funny where you hear fans say, "Well, the, you guys don't ask the hard questions." Well, sometimes it makes no. They just don't. You you go ahead. What does what's the point? To, no, Carson. What what went wrong? What you know? What about the trade? At some point, all you're doing is badgering, and you're making it about yourself and not about what it's supposed to be about. So I, I get a little bit tired of fans on Twitter or social media thinking that uh, we don't do the job, we don't ask the questions, when that's just total BS. I have a great story about not asking the questions or asking about certain topics or not being allowed to. And it's the one that I, this is the only rabbit trail I'm going to go down this entire podcast, I promise. But this is it. It's one that we tell back in our office here at Fox 59 CBS 4. It's a story that happened a long time ago with a former uh, sports uh, sportscaster, Eric Ritchie. Uh, this is told to us by some guys who used to work with him. They were at a Purdue basketball game and Neil Armstrong was there. Um, of course, Neil Armstrong, the man from Apollo 11 who walked on the moon. And they were going to do an interview with him, like after he got off the court, being honored or recognized or whatever. And his PR guy was like, yeah, you can interview him, but you can't ask about walking on the moon. <laughs> and, and apparently Richie, like, laughed at Like, what? Are you serious? And he was like, yeah, it's kind of overblown. You know, uh, that, that, uh, we, we, we don't want to talk about that. He doesn't want to talk about that. And so, so we just have, we just laugh uh, whenever we're going to an interview. Like Carson Wentz can talk about any, uh, he can talk about anything, but he can't talk about walking on the moon. Uh, that's that that's our funny story about whenever something po- pops up like that. Well, and, so. and and the one thing that every player, every coach, every GM, their their easiest comment is no comment. Ask mm-hmm. ask the question and just say I'm not going to go there. Or whatever you you can do it in a nice way, but uh, you know it, it worked out fine today. So we'll move on from that. Anyway, uh, Frank Reich also discussed the Carson Wentz trade uh, after it became official, and he talked about it on a, gave a release through the Colts. He talked about it on Sirius XM Radio as well. Um, he, he called the trade a win-win scenario. Um, Jim Ursay on, on the phone or on the Zoom today was talking about Frank being really excited, uh, understandably so, in the um, in the in Colts headquarters, and and, and Joe like like. Uh, like also, Carson alluded to today, when I asked him specifically about, hey, what are, what are the reasons what, that makes Indy attractive, the first thing that he really talked about was his relationship with Frank. And that, that goes without saying, that's obvious, but, but Frank's discussion, of course, t- calling uh, the scenario win-win for him and uh, for, for the Eagles moving on, for Carson coming here, for the Colts getting their quarterback, um, it, 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 uh, Reich had plenty of good things to say, and he's certainly just as excited as we thought he would be uh, reuniting with, uh, just like Rivers last year, another one of his old quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, Reich is the ultimate relationship guy. This is the second year in a row now that he has brought in a quarterback based on relationships. I mean, in my opinion, at very least, Carson Wentz would not be here if it was not for Frank Reich. So Frank relationships mean the world to Frank Reich. It's what he preaches, uh, locker room, that culture, and it's why the Colts have one of the strongest cultures in the NFL. And not only the personal relationship, but the relationship and familiarity with the offense, right? Kind of talked about we've added several things since a few years ago when we were last together, and we think this offense will be even better with Frank Wright in, or with uh, Carson Wentz in it now. Um, but relationships is how Frank Wright is building this team, and so far it's working. Called him a highly intelligent, uh, big, strong uh, he can make all the throws that you need to be a big-time NFL quarterback. And so we certainly saw those over at least a couple years of, of Wentz's career, but uh, even though not as much last year, as Mike certainly alluded to in, in his 
talks already in the question that he specifically asked Carson uh, today in the uh, in the press conference. So um, that's uh, Frank obviously is, is very eager to get his hands back on Carson Wentz, uh, as is Jim Irsay eager to, to get him here with uh, the horseshoe on his helmet. And uh, hopefully, uh, according to his plan, according to Chris Ballard's plan and Frank Reich's plan, have their quarterback now uh, for the next decade leading this team. And, and there's there's no mistake that 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 is that is the full intention. This is not a trade to to see what you can do over the next two years, as we've talked about on this podcast. Even though Carson is under contract for four years, it's really only two years, and then you can get out of it with absolutely no um, no dead money to the cap afterwards. So it's a two year deal that can become a four year deal essentially. If uh, if you like what he's done, but uh, but the the talk in the building is, is not two years. It is not four years. And uh, as Jim Irsay said today, Mike, on the press conference, as he does, he's always very glowing uh, when talk when uh, when optimistic tones are are in abundance. That he thinks that a golden age, a golden era of Colts football could be upon us. And once again, another one of uh, Jim's favorites saying that. Hopefully, multiple Lombardis are, are in store for this this team in the future. So he he is he's fully on board the Carson Wentz train as well. This does not seem like it's something that Frank Reich really had to talk everybody else in the building into. It is something that everybody else, even though I'm sure discussions were had behind the scenes, it was not anything that uh, Frank was the uh, was the main proponent, and everyone else was detracting him, saying, "Oh, look at 2020 and see what happened." This is something that uh, people were appear to be at least they have are uh, on the on a similar page from the beginning and on the same page now as things go forward. Yeah, because the one thing that Jimmy talked about early on is, well, this was a rare opportunity to to get a 28-year-old quarterback, you know, in a trade. And, and, but then I asked him about, well, you know, that guy was available for a reason. Mm-hmm. He's coming off a very poor air plague 2020. And that's where Jimmy went on one of his longer uh, discussions about and he made a lot of sense, is, is they did their homework. He said that they had long discussions, and they reviewed the tape and everything about what went on last year and what was Wentz's role in it. So that, that's what, you know, they just didn't say, hey, let's go get Carson Wentz. We'll give up a what a, th- a three and a one if things work out right. So they, But they really believe that this is the answer. And we've talked about this a lot, and, and there's so much truth to it. They have got to get off the quarterback train. They simply have to get that long-term answer. Now, whether long-term in the NFL is four years, six years, or ten years, we can argue that if we if we want. But you cannot keep going into an offseason looking for the guy. And, hey, Andrew Luck put him in this situation. He did. And we can argue that. That would be a whole podcast. But he set this franchise back when he retired. And they've been scrambling ever since. And the problem they've had is that when you stay competitive, when you're still a decent franchise, it's hard to get in position to get a quarterback. If this if this Carson Wentz thing hadn't gone through, what was plan B for crying out loud? Trading up into the top, what, six, seven? Which, it, which is really prohibitive. So they've got, they've got so much writing on being correct on they're they're putting everybody was on board for this but if frank wasn't a hundred percent on board they'd be looking at plan b so they need this to work out they don't view this as a as a one or two year transition to what jacob eason you know give me a break 
So they need this to work so that it, next year, two years, three years, we're not saying, boy, are the Colts going to go after quarterback X? Uh, they need this to work out for a lot of reasons. Uh, reputation, yes, but the health of the franchise. I think there's one more point to be made and discussed on Carson Wentz before we move on a little bit to uh, more free agent discussions and uh, more news around the NFL. And that's Joe kind of tying in with the point that you made earlier about things, uh, relationships being important to, to Frank Reich. I think building relationships in the locker room is going to be the most important thing for Carson Wentz because that's the thing that came out of Philadelphia that, that was probably the most, um, the most detrimental to, to his trade value, that, that there was a fracture in the locker room. Uh, between Wentz and Hertz, guys who are on Wentz's side and guys who are on Hertz's side. Uh, stories out of Philadelphia that uh, there were people that in, in the locker room that uh, that Wentz didn't uh, didn't give proper attention to or something like that uh, for for whatever reason or weren't um, they just weren't weren't as he wasn't as friendly with everybody in the locker room as some people thought he could have been. That's a lot of hearsay. That's a lot of he said she said. I understand that. It got to writing and it got and became a thing. So that's why I want to bring it up. Um, so I think, uh, like I said, Joe, Carson's most important thing that he can do now and something that he's started already, we've seen on Twitter from guys posting and uh, talking with relation. I mean, uh, talking with um, having discussions with him, having uh, throwing sessions with him, like building relationships with the guys in the locker room, showing them who you are instead of kind of letting uh, what these um, articles out of uh, honestly out of Philadelphia have kind of portrayed you to be over uh, the past year there. So that that's kind of project A, I think, for him right now is to, to get to know the guys he's about to go to battle with. It, it's it's the fresh start, clean slate situation. And, of course, it's, the, the, the players here are simply going to embrace him. First of all, yes. first of all, they have to. I mean, he, he's the guy. But why wouldn't you? Why, I, I just – knowing how players are, you just – they certainly have heard things, but, but they're going to have their eyes open and they're going to make their own – their own judgments on who this guy is, what he is. And as long as he's up front with them and honest with them and is one of the guys, there will be no problems. We haven't had, in my mind, I'm trying to think back to when's the last bad guy quarterback they've had here who's been standoffish and not been a team guy. And I just can't think of one that comes to mind. So I think it's a fresh start. It's a clean slate for everybody. And that's the way it should be. You agree with that, Joe? Yeah, I mean, it, we only started hearing these things when when things went bad, right? Well, like we it, did. It, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it, it just kind of seems like the kind of thing that happens when a team with expectations completely goes down the toilet and then fingers, fingers start to get pointed and, oh, well, Carson, you know, could have been a better it, it just It just kind of seems the thing to me that, comes out when you're losing and you have a terrible season and people get fired and traded away. I mean, until Carson Wentz comes here and shows that, you know, character is an issue. And for I don't think Frank Wright would bring someone in if he thought character was going to be an issue. So I, I, I personally am not too worried about it. I think he's going to fit in very well in this locker room. And, and I'll cap the discussion by saying uh, something that uh, another Philadelphia sports media member, Howard Askin, did mention in, in when he was asking Carson questions is that guys like Chris Long and also Malcolm Jenkins, uh, like they, they had a podcast that they do. Um, and they talked about the, all those rumors about Wentz. And those two guys were leaders in that Eagles locker room for several years. And they said that they, they didn't know where uh, the worst parts of those rumors came from. They thought that, yeah, Wentz was closer to some people than others, but never thought he was a bad guy. So, so, so I take that with a, I, I take that 
uh, maybe not as gospel, but I take that as certainly more significant than than random stories um, that uh, that come out into the media. I get from two of the most prominent locker room leaders saying that they don't think Carson was a bad guy. Um, that certainly you could learn from how you were more friendly with some people and less friendly with others, I guess, and and improve on that, I guess, in the future. But but nothing about being a bad guy, and so so. So anyway, that that'll wrap up our Carson Wentz discussion. But um, certainly, just the first of a um, of a long, long uh, many uh, topics on on tap for this Colts podcast. Getting into Colts Blue Zone podcast, um, and we'll get into free agency in a second. But uh, certainly, cannot ignore something else that's been going around uh, the NFL of this week specifically, the uh, the news wires, and that is uh, regarding Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson. Uh, there's no move on his trade front that uh, that we're aware of, but uh, as of taping this podcast, three civil lawsuits have been filed against Watson, and all revolving around uh, sexually uh, explicit acts with a massage therapist. I think there's there's multiple uh, multiple women involved, so it's not just one uh, either. Um, but uh, anyway, that's I mean, it's not something that I, I intend to spend a lot of time with uh, here, Mike. But it's it's whenever you, whenever a player is in the trade pool, like something like this will will like looking at it from a purely football perspective. I think this will bring any type of discussions to a halt or at least slow them way, way down if they were going at all. Um, just because of the, the the seriousness of the uh, the allegations that that he's now facing. No question. What what it's going to do is if if again and may, again may, maybe this doesn't really matter because if the Texans say stick to their guns and say they're not going to trade him, it doesn't matter. But but let's just say a team remains interested. It just means they do more due diligence. They'll they'll, they'll dive deeper into it. The, you know, in, in looking at it from afar, my my first reaction, and and I'm not saying anything about the allegations. It's always crazy on on the timing of these is just as this is getting, you know, national attention on the trade, these come up. And I'm really interested to see where this goes, the validity. He's made it very clear that he he steadfastly denies it and he's not settling because he did nothing wrong. And whenever you settle, there is that appearance of guilt. So uh, but but this 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 does not help his case and the sooner it gets resolved in his favor if that's where this goes the better for him obviously you can follow us on twitter at colts blue zone to uh follow up on colts news and notes throughout the week and also major news from across the nfl too you can follow mike chapel at m chapel 51 joe hopkins is at roto street joe and i am at dave g underscore sports as we move forward to free agency, as Joe notes in our show rundown, it's been a bit of a yawner start for the Colts. They have made one addition to the team that was not on the roster last year, and that is claiming defensive tackle Andrew Brown off of waivers. Young man who's played for the Texans and Bengals over two seasons and has one career start, as, as, as I tweeted out, and as Mike Chappell retweeted me to say, yep, depth on the D-line, and that's certainly true. You lose a guy like Danico Autry, which we'll get to that in a second, but uh, you certainly need depth along that defensive line, and uh, that that's really all all Brown is going to be right now. All we expect him to be, at least, um, coming in is the the one addition. And and Joe, I know that uh, that it's been not the uh, most exciting start to free agency that some folks out there on the interwebs are are less than pleased with what the Colts have done. And I think uh, 
on if they are fired up about that, then Jim Irsay would just add fuel to the fire earlier today, uh, saying that uh, when it comes to spending money, he's always ready uh, to, to do so to improve the Colts. I know there's a lot of people who'd be upset with that, but as I've responded to a couple of them who come at me directly, I say, that's a Chris Ballard thing. That is not a Jim Irsay thing. Um, that th- it's been a slow rollout to free agency every year of the Ballard regime. Some a little bit more exciting than others, but never any big splash, never any huge money, never any top-of-the-bill free agent that is uh, the Colts are fighting to get here. They've done big moves with trades for Carson Wentz and DeForest Buckner, but if you want them to go out and get the top free agent somewhere and really be in heated contention, I don't know if Ballard is ever going to be your guy to bring that type of person to the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, if you're surprised by what hasn't taken place so far, you haven't been listening to this podcast because we've been telling you it's going to start like this. So we're preaching to the choir now, yeah. Well, and and, I mean, last week when we went through Ballard's last free agencies, most of his moves didn't come until at least like five days in or so. So we probably have to wait a couple of days before Ballard starts bringing in external players. And I think there's a couple dominoes that have to fall first with – players Ballard's trying to bring back as in T.Y. Hilton and Xavier Rhodes he's not going to go out and sign someone else because he's I believe at least he's trying to see if he can bring those players back on uh, deals that he deems are fair but Chris Ballard's not going to go out and make a splash he's going to rely on the draft I do have to say I thought he would do a little bit more at this point but we are where we are and there are still some very good players left on the board that the Colts might be able to get at a bargain Mike, when you hear, wait, go ahead, go ahead. Well, just maybe where you were going, but Ursay just kind of reaffirmed what we've always said and what people either don't listen to or don't believe. But he's willing to spend. He 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 would have paid twenty five million dollars for Trent Williams or whatever whatever it was, or right, or for you know one of the top pass rushers. He said, "There's times where where." They're talking about a player X, and they've got you know Chris Ballard's got value A on the guy, and Jimmy will say, "Well, should we sweeten the pot?" And Chris will say, "No." So that's the dynamic we have here. Now, it's funny. I've already seen some some of these analysts where it's who are the winners and losers in free agency. Well, right yeah. now, right now the Colts are a loser because they've not done anything. And I've got to say, I'm at the very least curious. How they're going to address left tackle? Jim Irsay kind of he kind of said what I, I've said all along. It needs to be in the draft for a lot of reasons. It's going to primarily it's affordable. You've got your left tackle if you're right. You've got your left tackle for five years on a very reasonable contract. But but they've got again still all. I, I want to see who's your main pass rusher. It cannot be Kamoko Ture. It can't be. Who's your Who's your alpha receiver? I think I, I think they they re-signed Ty today tomorrow. I really do. And who's your top corner? You know, right? Is it Xavier? If not Xavier, then who? So as they sit here today, this is not a better team than it was in Buffalo. It simply isn't because you've got too many major holes. Well, you know, let let's wait a month. Let's wait till after the draft. And and if they're if they are sitting here sitting there. In the first of May, after the draft and, and the, the the guts of free agency, and we're still talking, man, who's that pass rusher? Who's a, then? I think there's a lot of reason to be critical, but until then, we just have to wait and see. I think it's kind of clear they're not going to get one of the main pass rushers. You're not going to have the guy as your main pass rusher, 
but can they find that that next level? And maybe it's just in Houston. You know, it's it may, maybe maybe what their their goals is not their goal, but the final thing is T Y Xavier Rhodes and Justin Houston all come back. Uh, maybe I don't think that's going to make fans super happy, but that could be the bottom line of what they're going to do because all all three of those players are not going to get the monster dollars. The monster dollars probably are gone other than maybe what Galladay, maybe one or two other players will get big contracts. So. It, it, people hate to hear the word patience, but that's what these guys do now with this regime. It is they're not they're not making the big splash. They've made they've gone out early in free agency in the past. I think Devin Funches may have been a first or second day signing, one year ten I think million. He was. Uh, Danico Autry was. I think Jabal Sherry was, but the, the first day signings have not been the four year sixty million dollars. That's who these guys are, and. and Maybe we talk about it later, but but it, it does factor in that they've got extensions coming up for Darius Leonard, Braden Smith, Naheem Hines. Not so much Im- Im- imminent on Quentin Nelson because he's got that fifth-year uh, option, but the way they do business, they 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 can't. They're not going. They don't give big signing bonus, which which does impact how you do business. So instead of you know doing Darius Leonard and making it a, a, a an affordable cap hit this year, that's not the way they do business. So they do have to manage things differently. But uh, they're they're very much into the 2000 Colts mode of re-signing Peyton Manning, re-signing uh, Marvin and Reggie and Tarek and Jeff Saturday and Freeney and Mathis. When you do that, it does limit what you do elsewhere. Having said that, they still have holes they have to fill. One hole that you didn't think they would have to fill is at running back, but the Colts did re-sign Marlon Mack to a one-year, $2 million contract. That's not a big number. Joe, I know how much you hate paying running backs, but I'd imagine that that number uh, can't be too bad, and that's obviously a prove-it deal. See how healthy you are from that Achilles injury, and I know that um, I know that he's happy to be back, and I'm, I'm sure that... Uh, even the running backs in the room, though they might get a few fewer touches, they were very um, grateful for Marlon's impact on them last year after he was out with an injury. So uh, a lot of people in that room will be happy to see Marlon Mack return. Oh, yeah. For $2 million, bring him back uh, every year for $2 million. And, <laughs> yeah, every year. Yeah. And you can, I mean, running backs, they just get hurt because they get hit so much. I mean, Heaven forbid something happened to Jonathan Taylor next year, and then all of a sudden, thank goodness we brought back Marlon Mack. You look at a team like the Giants who lost Saquon Barkley almost immediately, who was basically their whole offense. So, And I think we would all agree that Jonathan Taylor is the best skill position player on this offense currently. So having Marlon Mack as kind of that, uh, I don't think he's going to start over Taylor, but that change of pace or reserve for if something did happen to Taylor will be very valuable to this team. And I think we'll see plenty of Marlon Mack this year, Mike. Do you agree? Yeah, that's the one he, thing. Yeah. I, I don't I don't mean to toot my own horn too much, but I've, I've been in a minority thinking that this made too much sense not to get done for a lot of reasons. And, and not that he's going to come in here and get 10 or 12, 15 carries a game because he won't. He's coming off an Achilles injury, which takes time to get back. So what better place than to have him in a situation he knows, in a situation where he's not going to be the guy. By any stretch of the imagination, 
let him get his X number of carries a game. I still like the idea of Taylor as a one and Mack as a two and Naheem Hines at, is as, as that gadget guy. Although we saw last year, Hines was a pretty good running back, which we really hadn't seen before. I just thought this was a no-brainer. Get, give Mack, let him stay on a familiar ground, regain his game, one-year deal, get out of him what you can, and then next year, if he shows that he's back, not with the carries or the yards, but I mean the yards per carry, and he shows the burst. Next year is his year to make the big, the big contract, relatively speaking. The Colts have also extended restricted free agent offers to Zach Paschal, Mo Ali Cox, and George Odom. Uh, Paschal and Ali Cox got the uh, second round uh, pick level uh, tender. Uh, that's about a three point, almost three point four million dollar deal. And uh, Odom uh, was a slightly lesser level of a tender. He gets a, a $2.1 million deal, which he was not pleased about. Uh, went to Twitter, talked about being disappointed. Um, and what did he say? Dis- that was disappointed, disrespected? Is that what it was? Disrespected. And dis- I think those are the two words yep. that came out. So all is not well with George Odom, Mike, which was a little surprising to me. But, you know, a player who's an all-pro – uh, probably thought that he was worth a little bit more than the very bare minimum of uh, a free agent tender. This is one where if I'm a player, I say, now wait a minute. You say that this is a one-third, one-third, one-third game, offense, defense, special teams, and and put your money where your mouth is. And I, I think his point would be, you know, is there that much, you know, relatively speaking, 3.3 and 2.1, that's a, that's a lot of money, but 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 in NFL terms, it's not really. So I, I think it just kind of I, I see I totally see where he believes it's a slap in the face. He's all pro, and you know I don't know that he goes anywhere. People need to realize that with as a restricted free agent, these guys have the ability to. Pascal can go to Philadelphia. He can go to Nick Sirianni and say because Nick Sirianni loves him. He loves him some Zach Pascal. And Pascal can sign a can, can agree to a offer sheet from the Eagles or anybody, and the Colts have a, have like seven days to to match it. Or if they don't, in Pascal's case, they'll get a second round draft pick. Don't you think they'd take a second round draft pick for Zach Pascal? Without I a, think with, so. Without a question. Well, Odom, if he gets an offer somewhere else, and the Colts don't match it, which they probably won't, uh, they get nothing. And all, all they all they have with that little tender is a chance to match it. But I understand his, his his disappointment because for a team to spend as much as they, time as the Colts do, a lot of teams are saying, we value special teams. And Odom says, well, you just showed me how much you value me. Yeah, it, it seems to me like a penny-pinching deal, which which you don't see that much from Chris Boward. Like you were saying, Mike, like in, in the in the grand scheme of things, in the um, in the salary cap, which although it's less this year, a difference of one million dollars isn't all that significant, but uh, so so you're like, why wouldn't the Colts do it? And for for Odom, it seems very significant because the difference between two point one and three point four million, that's like a fifty percent salary increase for a young I player mean, without. I, I'd, yeah, I'd sign up for a fifty percent salary increase today <laughs> for crying out loud. I mean that that's that's significant, and so it, it just says it. You you can't ignore what what the decision appears to say, and it appears to say that the Colts just don't value George Odom as much as they do Zach Pasco or Mo Ali Cox. 
So, so that that's where he is. So that's I think that's a very understandable reaction. Even if you might say, "Oh, you should probably just business wise, you should keep it internal, keep it in house." Um, I, I completely understand what the George Odom's frustration, and uh, and I'm I think that he should be frustrated with uh, with the offer that he got. So that, that's just my opinion, which nobody asked for. But uh, but we move on to uh, other players who have now left the Colts via free agency. We uh, briefly mentioned Danico Autrioler. He started um, uh, over the past couple years on multiple occasions on multiple parts of the defensive line, interior, exterior. But Autry is going, but not going far, signing with the division rival Titans, a three-year, $21.5 million deal. Uh, $9 million of that is guaranteed, according to multiple reports. So. Uh, Autry, uh, and as, as we talked about, Joe, I guess when we were talking about free agent defensive ends, like, uh, you, me and Mike all sat down and discussed like, well, we think between, uh, uh, between Muhammad, between Houston and between, um, uh, Autry, then maybe two would come back, but probably not all three. And, and Autry, at least yeah, Autry certainly one who is not going to be with the Colts next year because the Titans uh, just gave him a deal that Chris Ballard was unwilling to match. Yeah, it's it's a pretty good deal too. It's more than he got last time around from Chris Ballard. He came yep. to the Colts and proved that he was a better player than uh, he had been previously with the Raiders. And now the Colts are going to have to. I mean that that Titans defensive line is looking pretty darn good with the other moves they've made. One thing, uh, the Colts did have an interest, a serious interest in retaining Autry. Yes, I think that Indy Star mentioned that uh, the way the Titans uh, structured it to where heavy money in year two which Ballard generally does not do, made it difficult. So, And, we, and we've said, I you could argue very strongly that Autry has been uh, Chris Ballard's best free agent signing. You could put Philip Rivers at the top if you want for what he did last year. But as far as uh, multiple-year deals, it's, to me it's either Danico Autry or Jabal Sherrod. They got they got more than their money's worth. What was it, three years? Was it $17 million? I think first time around, I think, for Danico uh, quality, quality uh, return. He'll be missed. Now, now, again, now you've got to replace him. It's it's the thing about letting guys walk is you've got to replace them, and we'll see how they do that. They let quarterback Jacoby Brissett walk as well, signing a deal with Miami, one year, seven million dollars. And uh, I think as we've talked on this podcast before, and as Chris Ballard has said before, not entirely sure that you want to go into a season with Jacob Eason as your number two. So a veteran quarterback could very much still be on the Colts' radar to sign uh, as the backup to Carson Wentz. Because, again, I think a point that I made was that, boy, Carson goes out for a game or two. Do you really want Jacob Eason coming in and playing as just a guy that, oh, well, let's see what he has? Well, you don't want to see what he has right now because Carson Wentz is your guy for the future. Like, you're, you're, you've got him as, as, a, as a project there, but like, you want a guy who can come in you can rely on to be, to be reliable. And Eason, you can't rely on him right now because he hasn't he hasn't done a thing in the NFL. He's been in the league for a second. He he hasn't gone through a training camp. So uh, I think I think Mike that this is an area that, that I would not be surprised. In fact, I would expect the Colts to address before uh, before the off season begins, getting another veteran backup quarterback in house. That's probably when you wait till after the draft. You you see right. you see how things settle. And if you're going to go that route, which I think they totally, I agree with you, they will. You have him in here before your off-season workouts, which is – well, that's is before the draft. It's normally mid-April. Uh, you want him here for when, you, when you're on the field and when you're working, and it's going to be one of those guys where, oh, this is his sixth team in eight years. It's going to be that type of guy. Whether 
it won't be Brian Hoyer, but it'll be that kind of a guy who, in the short term, if he has to play, you know what to get. And, and the fact that they don't know about Jacob Eason, it's no one's fault. It's, it's just the way last year played out. No, no one on that roster suffered more from the lack of preseason games than Jacob Eason. I mean, that's as much as we sometimes detest the second half of preseason games. That's when the Jacob Eason's. That's when you find out about him. I realize they're not out there with starters, but how does it react in game situations, third and seven, and all that? So, yeah, I, I don't think maybe Jacob Eason is the backup this year. But he will have to beat out, in my mind, he will have to beat out some, you know, yet-to-be-named veteran to, to earn that backup spot. Plenty of to-be-determined players who were Colts last year who could still return but haven't gone anywhere else yet. So topping that list is wide receiver T.Y. Hilton. Nevertheless, you look on Twitter, and uh, Joe, a couple Colts players seem pretty confident that T.Y. is going to be a Colt again next year. Yeah, Kenny Moore, uh, who's gaining the nickname Kenny Schefter, <laughs> said on Twitter, we already got you back in response to T.Y. Hilton. I think Kenny Moore made kind of some kind of remark about Marlon Mack coming back, saying that's all I wanted. And then T.Y. was like, that's all you wanted? <laughs> and then Kenny Moore comes in, we already got you back, source me. So Kenny Moore seems pretty confident about it. As this goes on, I kind of do think that Hilton will be brought back to the Colts because – I look at the other wide receiver contracts around the league, and I mean, one guy that I've kind of pinpointed for a few weeks now, Marvin Jones signed with the Jaguars on a two-year $14 million deal. That's a lot cheaper than I thought he was going to go. And so you look at a lot of these contracts being given out to wide receivers, and they're very reasonable. So I think the Colts are going to look at the market. T.Y. Hilton's going to look at the market, and they're going to be able to come to an agreement on a reasonable deal to bring him back. That's one thing Ursay said today again, and maybe more strongly than he had before. Now, he, he did emphasize it still has to work in the structure of the budget and the roster, but I, I just don't see him not returning here. I hate to use the double negatives. Uh, they value T.Y., and the fa- this this is the imperfect storm for Ty. It's it's a free agency when he's he's thirty plus. He's on the wrong side of thirty. It was a strong. It was a deep market. I won't say strong. I said a deep market for receivers. And the draft is just overloaded with young talent. So you know where we may have thought Ty was going to get ten eleven million dollars a year. Maybe he comes back here for seven. I don't know seven or eight. Uh, I don't think it'll be less than that, but. I fully expect T.Y. to be back here by the end of the week. That's just a, a gut. Uh, now, where we do it with with Rhodes and Carey and Houston and the rest, we'll see. But I, I really think T.Y. will get his wish where he said he wants to end his career as a Colt, which is as, as it should be, ideally as it should be. Yeah, and then and Mike uh, mentions a couple former uh, former Colts who could be Colts again: Xavier Rhodes, T.J. Carey, Justin Houston. Uh, also on that list, Malik Hooker, Anthony Walker. And I did see someone; I wish I could remember who it was on Twitter today reporting that Anthony Walker had a visit with the Browns. Um, so uh, that could be a player who is who's on the way out too. And uh, we we've talked about Walker saying that he his his value here was good, but it, it wasn't. It's not the same value as Bobby Okereke, who's a little bit younger and uh, who is cheaper now and is going to play quite a bit. Uh, and you try to get other guys in there like EJ Speed, who's been developing the past couple of years as more of the backup guy. 
So none of us, like, I don't think any of us want to see Anthony Walker walk out the door. But uh, but we understand completely why he is. And Malik Hooker has had injury after injury. Maybe not the best scheme fit for what the Colts want to do, which I've discussed plenty of times before here on the podcast. So um, all those guys uh, to be determined what's going to happen with them in the future. And that certainly leaves uh, uh, options open for the Colts and what they want to do, what they're going to do through free agency in different positions. Uh, left tackle, defensive end, wide receiver, tight end, cornerback are kind of the four big ones that we've outlined. We've gone through the past couple weeks. But um, but looking around the league at what's happened, I think in some positions at left tackle, Joe, most specifically, you, you see that the best of the best uh, get uh, or offensive line really entirely as as a group that the best of the best are getting great deals. And Trent Williams with San Francisco, six years, one hundred and thirty eight million is a mammoth deal. It's the biggest in NFL history, even this year where you're going into a, uh, a low cap year. Uh, the best get the huge contracts uh, after that. Who knows how much money people are willing to spend because there's still a lot of people available. Uh, Alejandro Villanueva, Riley Reif, uh, Russell Okung, Eric Fisher, Jason Peters, guys that we've talked about before. Um, so, so if you're desperate for, for the Colts to do something, I would say don't freak out. There's a lot of options remaining, even if, if they choose free agency. And as Mike alluded to earlier, draft might be more likely in that position. But um, there, there are still plenty of options out there at all these positions. Yeah, I think draft will be likely. I think they do bring in some kind of veteran to at very least be their swing tackle, their backup tackle. Um, And who knows, maybe a month goes by and a guy like Villanueva is still unsigned and his value drops down to a point where the Colts feel comfortable paying him something. If he's seven, eight, six million dollars, I think that's a pretty good deal for a left tackle if his value drops that far. I'm not saying it will, but the Colts are going to be patient and they're going to try and get bargains out there. Uh, The position that really dried up quickly is defensive end. I mean, all the top guys we talked about, Shaq Barrett, Carl Lawson, Yannick Nguakwe, Romeo Aquar, Bud Dupree, Trey Hendrickson, Matt Judon, all signed away on pretty pretty hefty deals, most of them. Uh, Bud Dupree landing in Tennessee, I kind of mentioned their defensive line upgrades earlier, Mm -hmm, so... mm -hmm. We kind of mentioned that if we thought one position the Colts would splurge and signed, it would be defensive end. But most of the top guys are off the board. A few remaining are some veterans, Clowney, Melvin Ingram, Carlos Dunlap, uh, Ryan Carrion. There's rumors that Daniel Hunter of the Vikings might be available through trade. Um, there's reports that he's unhappy with his contract. But guys, as we look at pass rusher, it, it, the options are getting pretty thin for the Colts right now. You know, what one thing, and one thing I think... I've come to the conclusion to where while the Colts knew they had to get off the, the, the carousel at year by year by year at quarterback, I think they're stuck on that carousel at pass rush. I really do. I think they're looking that for that two-year thing like they gave Justin Houston. Maybe it's a Melvin Ingram. He won't cost you much. And, and then you just got your fingers crossed that Kamoko Ture, this is his year. Last year wasn't a fair assessment because – that ankle just what he was on wasn't he on pup for the first half of the season, uh, and it was a serious serious ankle injury. Uh, ben Banigou, uh you know what do you got? You don't know. You, you know probably more about Jacob Eason than you do Ben Banigou, which is which isn't a great thing. So I'm just afraid that where they are now is that they are on that short term fix uh, at that defensive end. They will bring somebody in, but it'll be now again. I'm not ruling out Justin Houston. He might be the best name on this group that Joe's got listed, 
and uh, he probably won't get the two-year, what was it, $23 million, $24 million he got two years ago. So I think he's a possibility as well. We're running out of time, so we'll just quickly hit on the past couple, um, the last couple positions. We've kind of talked about wide receiver a bunch. A lot of the top-tier talent there is still available because of the reason that Joe gave, that there's a lot of people think young talent in the draft to be had. So uh, Kenny Galladay looking for a deal, Will Fuller, Juju Smith-Schuster. Who knows what they're going to get um, because of the young talent people think is there. But tight end is certainly a position the Colts need to. Kyle Rudolph, Dan Arnold are there, maybe Zach Ertz via trade, but – Hunter Henry's gone, Johnny Smith, both of them to the Patriots, for crying out loud. Um, the two big targets go somewhere else. Uh, cornerback, a lot of the big ones, again, have gone. A lot of cornerbacks are still available. Big names that we've seen from the past, like Richard Sermon, Malcolm Butler, Josh Norman, A.J. Bouye, uh, Desmond Trufant, Jason McCourty. I mean, they're, they're, there are options to be had. And like, like we've said before, like I've said already in this podcast, Chris Ballard has the ability to get someone 10 days into free agency. So if you want to freak out, now's not the time to do it. I'd imagine that over the next two weeks, there's going to be a couple moves made where you see a few more ideas about what's going to happen to this Colts franchise. And if I add real quick here, the tight, the top cornerback I believe out there now is Adoree Jackson, former first-round pick, was a surprise cut by the Titans, who are apparently value the D-line more than the cornerback position. He, he, he's still just around 25. Pro Football Focus has him as one of his top cover corners in the NFL since 2018 so if the Colts want to spend a little money and get a long-term answer at corner Jackson's the guy but you know Colts spending money is not something that, that happens too often well and one quick aside to that uh the, the best the, the best help for a cornerback is a pass rusher so if they're going to pay I would think it's going to be more for a pass rusher than a corner but they have got to address both and that's the Colts Blue Zone podcast for this week. We do encourage you to follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. Also, download, subscribe, get us delivered to your podcast listening device week after week. Alongside Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins, I'm Dave Griffiths. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. 